Thank you, Janet Lee. Wow, I just love the way you play that keyboard. And hello, everybody. Jerry Lee, the manifester here, and we're on part three of the GOG Factor. That's G-O-G Factor. This is January 20th, 2013, and the end of the world has not come. And some of the other predictions, a whole pile upon piles of them, have not happened. And, you know, I find it very interesting that recently there's this person who had been an agnostic, so to speak, not of God, but of the economy and of, of the government and everything else. And, oh, the nasty things he collectively has been saying on a continuum basis, or continuous, if you like that way of saying it. And he wrote this column, and he wrote, and he said, uh, he said, well, we've got to face it. He said, we've just got to face it. He said, everything is not happening the way we thought it would. All the negatives are actually going the other way. And there's some really bright spots out there in the economy, and there are some positive things that are holding. And he says, uh, we're just going to have to start looking at things a little differently. Well, praise be the name of God. God said, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. And I believe that in the days of the prophets, the prophets would stand up for their, for their nation. And they would say, oh, God, spare our people. And they would pray for their prosperity and they would pray for their health and they would pray for their defense against maraudering armies that would like to slaughter them for the, for the gold or, or, or make slavery of the people. And uh, it is sad that within the midst of uh, your own people of a nation that you have those people that basically have alien mentalities. They basically all but hate the government, hate whoever is the elected official. Uh, they believe that everything is going down down the drain. They they just are one negative practice, practice of thinking after another. Uh, I, I don't think that those are bad people. I think that they're, you know, they're distracted, they're delusional, uh, they're depressed, and and they do not have the sparkle of the joy of God. And, and and I don't think we cast those kind of people away. I think we just pray for them because they're souls, just like everybody else is a soul. But in the meanwhile, today, you know, here I am, ready to minister another uh, teaching, and uh, I cannot tell you how many prophecies there has been over the many years uh, about my death that I would die at a certain time and and I would uh, be smitten of God and oh my just one prophecy after the other and they didn't happen and here I am today oh sure I've been through some storms that have battered me and I've been through some tough trenches uh, but you know what uh, I, there's a group of people that believe and and they have followed me uh, this hard, long journey. And they have followed me through the wilderness. They have followed me through the rocky places. They have followed me uh, bet uh, between the treks where serpents are out there dwelling. dwelling. Uh, and, and God has blessed them. God has blessed me and my family, or my family and I. And we are just poised to go forward in a gigantic glorious way, giving all the praise and all the honor to the Lord Jesus Christ, giving all of the thank, thanks to him and acknowledging 
that all that we are and all that we are accomplishing is only because of the grace of God. I have some outstanding things to share with you today. In this teaching, we prepped it uh, by our broadcast announcement in which we were talking about the many truths that are just undefined that are of, in the Bible. That there are truths there, but you know, they, they are, they are stones that have never been polished. Uh, they're not labeled. They're, they're not, they're not, uh, understood. And they're like, uh, you know, film in a, a, a dark room, a developing room, uh, still in the negatives. And when those films are developed, uh, you begin to see the definition. You begin to see the, feature, the, 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 the features. You begin to see the colors and the dimension. And that is what God is wanting to do with these manifest teachings right now. Uh, because Paul said, we look through a glass darkly. We're looking at film that's not developed. We're looking at it without definition. It has no label. Uh, it has no coloring. Uh, it, 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 it does not really tell the story because there's too much murky darkness. And God is saying, hey, it is now time to develop these films. And we made the point that once it was thought that the division of zero, Z-E-R-O or Z-E-R-O, wherever you're from, was impossible. But then all kinds of new maths developed, imaginative numbers, uh, all kinds of of interesting maths and and satisfied the question of uh, zero being able to be de uh, you know divided there are scriptures in the bible there's spiritual scriptures and uh, they almost seem to be contra or opposite to anything else the scripture is saying uh, all because they have not been resolved in the bible and and they therefore are just being skipped over uh and as i put it uh, with a steering of the greatest of ease but now is the time to loosen the barrier of those lost horizons and let the holy spirit begin to reveal the unknown mysteries of 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 the bible the unknown mystery of tons and that's where we're headed today how far we will get with this uh, incredibly complicated scripture uh, i briefly introduced to you in the last uh, couple of teachings or and even before this thing about the 10 commandments in the uh, original hebrew it doesn't say 10 commandments that's not in there. That's translated much, much later in, 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 you know, like King James Version and some of the other versions. But the early versions and the original script just said 10 words. Now, there is a major differentiation between 10 commandments and 10 words. Because in the meaning of 10 commandments, it is specifically denoting uh, the characterization of ten individual things, whether those things are, you know, uh, uh, represent ten sentences that describe a law uh, or describe a judgment or a punishment, uh, you know, that is one thing. Those are the ten laws. But in the real original meaning of the ten words, we are talking about uh, a revelation that incorporates those words as being compound, every word being compound, so that it in, they incorporate that which was, that which is, 
and that which is to come. Therefore, uh, totally, um, uh, you know, fulfilling and, and using up the dispensational factors that, that have to do with the Alpha and the Omega revelation. Without the Alpha and Omega revelation, a person is only getting a partial of the Spirit of God and of the revelation of God and, and of the knowledge of God. And we have been emphasizing that and really cannot, uh, you know, emphasize that too much. We know that in the Alpha, as it says in the book of the Gospel of John, in the beginning was the Word. And, and so we know that that's where everything starts because we know that the Word is God. And, and in the beginning was God. And, and, but, but now we see a special definition uh, of, of God. We know God is love. That's a special definition. Now when it says God is the Word, now we begin to get into all the various characteristics and all the various, uh, you know, uh, uh, precise definitions uh, that can come out of the root of that one meaning. And so it is incredible when we have a word uh, that, for instance, uh, in Genesis, it says, here's the word, let there be light. And there was light. That was a word that was the word about the creation of light. And so the, if we just took the word and said, there is a word, or, or, or you know, we have ten words. Some would say, okay, ten words, so what might they be? One might say hello, one might say goodbye, one might say a good, one might say bad, etc., uh, etc. Et or someone might take it a little deeper and say, well, one would say God, the other would say the devil, one would say heaven, one would say punishment. But you know, that's just playing around uh, like, you know, a game of marbles and hoping that you've got a, a, some kind of a steel boulder uh, to win, win the, the, the game. Uh, but that will not get you the answer either. But when you have this thing word, then you begin to realize that, that the potentiation is just absolutely unlimited because word, when it's compound, has a drawing and the drawing is so vast, so awesome, so absolutely credible uh, of, of, its, of its unlimited uh, definitions and labels uh, that it actually hands you on a spiritual platter the potential to create heavens, the potential to see beyond the beyond. So that word isn't just some little flimsy thing. That word has the potential of everything that could be. For instance, one of the greatest word, words uh, in, as we d define it. First, I gave to you in Genesis 1-3, let there be light and there was light. But think about in John, the Gospel of John 1-14, and the Word was made flesh. And that flesh that it's talking about is the the mortal body of Jesus. And, and this was not just some small bearing of consideration because here we have a unique, incredible presentation. We have uh, created a person who was born of a virgin and, and the Holy Spirit was involved in the fathering beatitudes. And so we have something very unique in the meaning of this word being made flesh. 
and and so then it also incorporate incorporated you know all of the uh, other actress uh, attributes uh, in the connection of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, uh, all of those things beyond which the gates of time uh, have enough in, in closure to even properly uh, specify. And so um, we have to really think twice of what a robbery, what a robbery it is to go from 10 words, 10 compound words that have root connections that incorporate that which was, that which is, and that which is to come, to lose that and then go to to Ten Commandments. If you kill, you'll be killed. If you do this, you're going to get this. If you do this, you'll they'll stone you. They'll hang you. Uh, they'll imprison you. If you do, and ten really, you know, uh, pretty serious things. Two, of course, of the Beatitudes that were left over. But but it, it's just so incredible. Incredible, incredible, incredible. And now, when we think in terms of the then having been robbed of that meaning of the ten words and switching them off for, for ten commandments, when we think of having been robbed because of the, the sinfulness, transgressional attitudes of the children of Israel, when Moses was doing the 40 days and nights of fasting and, and receiving the finger of God uh, revelation, and how that, that the first oracles, the word, uh, then um, were broken. And so then the second uh, uh, set of, of, um, uh, of stones uh, became the, the second oracle, uh, but it was still the same as the first. It was word. So, so as far as the 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 mention, the the the, the uh, specific pointing to a specific uh, uh, statement of what the what of what the was was, or of what the was was to be, or what the was used to be, it it, it was like as far as anyone would know the same because it was just word. It was one of the words. But then when you consider the possibility and the potential of all of what the word could be, this is where the invisible God revelation came in that I've preached to you over this last period of time and, and uh, in, introduced it as part of the awesome revelation of the universe, uh, awesome Bible revelation of the universe. And when we get into that, when we when we get into it, we soak our feet in it and soak our mind in it. Uh, we begin to to get on into that echelon uh, where we are standing in a balcony and we can feel, uh, you know, the energy of God who says, "My thoughts are not like your thoughts." I am above you, you are below me. And we begin to, to get a, a, a smattering of, of, of that divineness that uh, there is nothing else can compare to. So the ten thought revelation uh, or the ten word revelation is absolutely essential. And we're going to cover some important things on that today that tie in to this whole thing. Someone says, well, how does this tie in to, to the, you know, to the, 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 the factor of Gog? Well, it ties in beautifully because first off, for anybody to have the gall to come up with uh, a teaching, uh, you know, about, uh, you know, 
some uh, uh, practically to most people unheard of name, uh, uh, weird sounding too, Gog, and how uh, it, it being claimed that, that it has ha actually has an effect, has had an effect on the whole world, and that it goes far back in time, even before this, this universe, and even before any other universe, back to a time called Alpha Ages. I mean, that is a step uh, uh, beyond the stones. And that is a step uh, that did not need a bridge. It is a step that was full of the wings of, of, of flying directly into a revelation that only God could give by the Holy Spirit. And so these are moments of intrigue. They are moments of excitement. They are m moments when uh, we are bid by the Holy Spirit to stand upon those things that cannot be seen, but totally knowing and believing that what we stand upon is in itself the evidence of those things that are seen and believed. And therefore, they have the punctuation, and they have the specifics, and they have the totality of those ingredients that cause uh, uh, us all to know what the truth really is. Blessed be the name of God. So as we go on with this, and, and we just delve in a little deeper on this thing of the, of the ten words, uh, you know, let's just think about the number, the number ten. Um, Abraham, uh, Genesis 18.32, found out that God was going to destroy. He sent his angels to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And there was, you know, this is a large area, like, you know, a million people around in that area. And, and Abraham had relatives there, but he, he also had a compassion for souls. And so he started off with these different numbers. Well, Lord, if there would be this many people, uh, you, would, would, you, would you, you spare it? And he said, yes, I would. And then he, Abraham, being quite a wise, studious, spiritually uh, divine-minded person, he thought, well, you know, what if, though, there was just a handful of people? And he knew that ten would be the limit. He just knew that by the Spirit. So he said, oh, God, don't be angry at me, but preventure that there will only be ten people that would believe would you spare this great city for just for, for even for 10 people? And God said, yes, yes, I would. We see then that 10, the number 10 became a limit barrier. It's a very, very important number. And it incorporates one on the physical side that describes the presence of God in the physical infinity. It describes zero on the spiritual side that describes uh, God in the spiritual infinity. Uh, it is a collection of two actions that can be expanded just by adding zeros. And, and, uh, and in doing so, it, it becomes, uh, you know, provocative of, of what people from age to age think is the defined reality only to discover that they haven't scratched the surface. And as we looked at that, we see then there is a relevance to this number 10. It's just not a throwaway. Uh, it's just not a happen to uh, fall upon. Leviticus uh, tells us that there is a exponential ratio to the number. You shall put 10,000 to flight. Uh, how that, how that, 
you know, one person can become ten, and ten can 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 you know chase thousands, and a thousand can chase ten thousand, and, and uh, there's an exponential ratio uh, that is all tied into the mathematical equation and the spiritual uh, impartation of what the number ten means. Uh, Deuteronomy thirty-three uh, two talks about. Um, you know, uh, you know, um, uh, Enoch or the Lord coming with ten thousands of saints. This was repeated later in the in the in the book of Jude, and uh, that that you know is a question. How come ten thousands of saints? Why the ten? Because it is a factor number. It's a factor. It it it, it has some real real meaning because it it it. It takes you really back to the almost like you could say a, a kind of alpha and omega, and and so there's really really uh, a lot that could be said on that, but we can't spend that a lot of time on every every uh, introduction. Then in uh, <clears throat> the example of Gideon, uh, Gideon sort of understood this ratio, and so when it really came clear to him, became clear to him that he was to be used to war against uh, the invaders of his people. Uh, he says, I will choose, uh, you know, I will choose 10 men of 100 and 1,000 of every 10,000. So he had this ratio of the 10. He had it put in place. He understood there was some kind of a caption there, some kind of a subtopic uh, that that was uh, a component of this exponential ratio that would be respected and understood both in nature and in the spirit. Then when we start getting into the things of that had to do with spiritual everything like the temple and and then the solomon's big bath that he made uh you know and and uh all all the things that it meant it it gets into you know all these different figures uh it it gets into like uh the different uh, articles and the different kinds of bases and these were normally numbered by 10 bases for this 10 bases for that uh, the 10 becomes uh, a, a, a capitalized uh, urgency uh, and and uh, and and demand of figuration um, uh, in um, the book of kings 6 3 uh, 23 through 26 it talks about the ten cubics um, uh, span of of one cherub to an, to another uh, cherub, and so that even as it brings this number of ten into a spiritual spectrum, it it also then capitalizes it in having relevance and having a, a particular and spiritual and specific meaning uh, and and like if I was to uh, take the time to minister on each one of these meanings uh, it would be it would be a, a broad band because there is a lot that can be said about that and we've talked before also how that a cubit uh, can represent a generation and uh, it's, it's it's just uh, it's so interesting. We get into Daniel seven seven. Uh, 
through 24, and we get this big revelation of the ten horns. We get into Revelations 12:3, Revelations 13:1, Revelations 17:3 through 16, and we get this revelation about the ten horns. Jesus in Matthew 25:1 gives us a revelation of an important one about the ten virgins, and and it 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 is so absolutely uh, important that um, that people. Uh, begin to understand when we talk about the ten words, we are talking about something that has magnification potential. We are talking about something that can move from the invisible to the visible and move from the visible to the invisible. We are talking about something that can be a small component and can be instantly uh, rationalized into a gigantic, colossal uh, numerical component. Uh, we are talking about uh, something uh, that can be uh, a, a, a prophecy. Uh, we are talking about something that can be a condemnation and judgment. We are talking about something that can be a source of creation or a source of healing. Or we are talking about something uh, that that can be an unfolding. So it is not minor. It is not small. It's major, major, big stuff. Now, uh, I want to go over some special scriptures because we want to think in terms of the will of God. You know, what really is the will of God when it comes to knowing these things? We've had people say, we're not supposed to know these things. We're supposed to just read the Bible just like it's written and just take it just like it's written and what isn't understood, not understand and, and not try to understand it. Uh, we'll understand it in the by and by. Uh, I know that that is not true, and I know that that is not what Paul admonished. Paul said, you know, laying aside the principles of the foundations of the doctrines of Christ, you know, laying on of hands, the baptisms, the resurrection, etc., etc., he said, let us go on, let us go on to perfection. And the Bible talks about the two kinds of wisdom, you know, the worldly wisdom and then the other wisdom. The worldly wisdom has its limits. If you're in that kind, you know, of a, of, of a gnawing order, uh, you'll never have good enough teeth to gnaw yourself out of the bag of stupidity. But if you get into that divine order, uh, you know, God will give you the power to drag down the sides uh, of defiance and to, gra and to break, uh, you know, that that wall uh, that would separate you from the horizons of God. So um, let's let's look for instance, and let me just read a few scriptures because uh, we got to get it settled. We we got to get it straight. We got to people have got to know what it is that's God's will when He's talking about these things. So turn to me with me to the book of First Corinthians, and let's look at Corinthians uh, chapter two, starting with verse six. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world nor the princes of this world uh, that come to naught. There are people in high places that are categorized as being, uh, you know, ultimately intelligent. Uh, there are people that have set dazzling, uh, you know, uh, skyways, uh, almost neon lit of 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 their uh, concepts. And, and, and the world has, uh, you know, fallen after them and sought after them. Uh, but Paul says that is not the way to go. He says, you know, um, 
that is that is a wisdom that that stands in in the understanding of men verse 5 of chapter 2 of first corinthians and he says your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men but in the power of god now the question today on this message is where is your faith standing is your faith standing today in in the wisdom of men or is your faith standing today in the wisdom of God. Now, why is it that there are all kinds of ministers, preachers, missionaries, uh, all kinds of, of uh, so-called prophets that are getting uh, into giving false prophecies and, and are getting into the doom and gloom uh, message and they're getting it wrong? Why is it? Because they are are listening on the internet to what to what the media says, to what cer certain scientific uh, circles say, and then they're making that as though it is a divine revelation. And then those things are not happening, and, and they are allowing those things to make a fool uh, of, of the church, a fool of, of the Bible, and a fool of God. And, and uh, that is not pleasing to God at all, and God is raising up this message of the Holy Manifest uh, to sharpen the definitions and to make people understand there has to be an end of this. You people that are calling yourself holy, you people that are calling yourself Christ-like by the name Christian, you people who are claiming uh, to, to be, uh, you know, the, the, the advocate uh, and the defender of, of God, you have got to get with it so that what you speak uh, is the truth and, and not a false prophecy. And God is dealing and saying, look, how be it, we speak wisdom. We are careful, Paul says, what we do with our speech. We're careful who we talk to. We're careful, you know, what we say in some of these things, especially that are attached to the world. But he says, how be it? How be it? You know, we do speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Now, there are times that when we um, manifest the word, we will speak it and we'll only give a, a partial of it because we are speaking it in a mystery. The whole thing is not given uh, to be understood. That's why Jesus uh, spoke many things in a parable. Uh, by revealing the parable, many of those things could be understood, and yet it was never a clear total disclosure of the whole revelation, uh, because that would come uh, in the time of the fullness of the latter rain. But we do have this right. We do have this occasion. To be able to, um, uh, you know, to to reveal the hidden wisdom of God, as it says in First uh, Corinthians two, and chapter seven, and it says, and this is the inane, this is the unbelievable. It says that if the people of this world had known this truth, if they had known these deep truths, it says they would not have crucified the Lord Jesus Christ the Lord of Lords. They wouldn't have done it. But because they did not know the deep word, they crucified Jesus Christ, the Lord of Lord, and they put that on the blood table for the whole earth to bear. All because they did not know the deep word of God. And Jesus said, I have many things to tell you and to share with you, but you cannot bear them now. I've told you earthly things that you haven't understood. How would it be if I told you something spiritual? And then he right away gave a spiritual thing. He said, you know, I'm the Son of God, and, and I'm here standing on earth, but at this same time, I'm also in heaven. 
So let's look now at First um, Corinthians 15. First Corinthians 15 says this. First um, Corinthians 15:35. Uh, now I'm going to drag this out just a little longer today. I'm going to drag this out just a little longer today before I have my break because I have so much to cover today. I guess I'm going to have to go a little bit longer because there are things here that just have to be said. They are so important. So 15 verse 35 um, says this. Um, here we go. But some man will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? And then it says, Thou fool, that which thou soweth is not quickened except it die. And that which thou soweth, thou soweth not that body that shall be, but bare grain it may, may chance of wheat or some other grain. And God giveth it a body as it has pleased him, and to every seed its own body. We see that when people try to be explicit as to how much they understand the resurrection, and how much they understand, you know, what you're going to look like, what you're not going to look like, uh, uh, when this uh, change is going to happen, how it's going to happen, where you'll be, where you'll not be, that they don't even know what they're talking about. And to the extent that they don't know what they're talking about, uh, the Bible calls them a fool. That they're just absolutely into a foolish cluster, you know, of, of air pockets uh, that have no sounding, that have no relevance, that have no practical application because they are not on the track and the trail of the truth. And that just, you know, is so important. Now, skip with me over to the book of Ephesians. So here's a very important scripture that really does, really does open up something. And I, I've, I've preached this a lot of times, but it's, it, it is so true. Is it the will of God? Is it the will of God to, to know these things like the Gog factor and the Alpha world? Well, let's look at Ephesians 3, and it says in verse 8, Unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given, that I should search among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Now get it. Get a hold of this, and to make all, A-L-L, all men, that means all persons, see what is the fellowship of the mystery. See what is the fellowship, not just of God, but the fellowship of the mystery. There's, there's a fellowship of this mystery, as I, as I read to you in, in Corinthians early. Uh, earlier about how that there is this, this, this wisdom that is so extensive, so vast, uh, so, so absolutely pertinent to reality that it could change the course of destiny and that people are missing it. They don't, it's not labeled. It's not defined. It's in a shadowy darkness and, and it's undeveloped. And God is speaking and saying, and listen to this, to make men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world, we got the alpha there, the alpha of the world has been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent, verse 10, we are in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10, to the intent that now unto the principalities and the powers in heavenly places might be known by the church, the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose which he has purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let me read number 10 again. You've got to get this. To the intent 
that unto the principalities. When you talk principalities, you see, you're, t- you're talking these these prince powers, because prince comes from the word principalities. You're talking like it describes it in um, uh, Ephesians um, 6, uh, 12. Uh, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. And so we see then, from this scripture, to the intent, verse 10, chapter 3 of Ephesians, to the intent that now unto the principalities and the powers in heavenly places, right now, right now, to the intent right now, right this moment, right this moment that was in the past, right this moment that is in the present, right this moment that's going to be in the future, that it might be known by the church. Does God want you to know? Are you a part of the church? That's what the Bible says. God wants you to know. Wants you to know know what? The manifold wisdom of God, which is tied into verse 9, that has to do with the fellowship of the mysteries of God. And there's an eternal uh, purpose, it says, in verse 11. Now, when we read, as we did last week, in the uh, in the book of Isaiah, and we read this profound thing that it says in Isaiah forty one, uh, four, and and I just I just find uh, that uh, you know uh, so important. Who hath wrought and done it, calling the generations of the beginning? I the Lord, the first and the last. I am He. The first and the last is the same thing you find in Revelation, meaning Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And so here, though, we have the introduction, as we showed you last week and the week before, where it says, who hath wrought and done it, calling, calling, naming, labeling the generations from the beginning. So that this Alpha and Omega is involved with Alpha generations and with Omega generations. And so when we start getting into the revelation of the fellowship of the great things of the past, it's going to incorporate that kind of knowledge. Absolutely is. And, and, and so let's look, um, uh, let's, let's look here at another uh, verse. Let's go, to, um, let's go to Isaiah 46. And and we've read this before, but we're going to have to keep after you so you really get this down. Isaiah 46, 9 and 10. Remembering the former things of old. For I am God and there is none else. And I am God and there is none like me. Now, how does that tie in? It says, I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is no one like me. He has made that equal to saying, remember the things of old. Remember the things of old because I am God and there's none other, there's none else. I am God. If you don't remember the Alpha, you don't remember God. You don't know God. If you don't remember the Alpha, you haven't got the beginning. If you haven't got the beginning, you don't have what's happening now and you don't have the end. And so as we read this in Isaiah 46 verse 9, Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring, now this this speaks it out, declaring the end from the beginning and from the ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall send and I will do my pleasure. 
So it says that from the ancient times, the things that are not yet done, that we will be able to know what they are. And by knowing what they are, we'll be able to understand what the future is going to be. And that's what that says. And that is, to me, just absolutely super colossal. Now, when we go to the book of Ezekiel, and we read in Ezekiel, uh, there are, you know, some, some very, very interesting, important things that we have to, we have to get down in our brain. Because um, the scripture, you know, is, is very, very clear about, uh, about a couple things. Um, you know, in chapter 38, verse 1, and the Lord, and the word, and the word of the Lord came to me again. The word, okay? What was in that word? Here's a whole new revelation in that word. Son of man, set thy face against Gog, the land of Magog, the land of, uh, uh, the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and prophesy against him. Now, if we read um, in, um, in other locations of, um, of, the, of the book of, you know, uh, of, e of Ezekiel, for instance, let's look at um, Ezekiel 38, verse 17. Thus saith the Lord God, Art thou he, and, and the subject here is Gog, because just before, before verse 17 and 16, it, it, it says, I will bring thee, um, uh, well, let's read it. And thou shalt come up uh, against my people Israel as a cloud to cover the land. It shall be in the latter days. I will bring thee against my land that the heathen may know me when I shall be sanctified in the old Gog before their faces. Thus saith the Lord God, art thou he? of whom I have spoken in old time by my servants, the prophets of Israel, which prophesied in those days many years that I would bring thee against them. Now this is Isaiah, <laughs> and, and um, uh, uh, that is connected to, to the Ezekiel, the Jeremiah, and, and, and the, all of those kind of prophet times, which, which you know, was a certain era. But now, here we've got these, these ancient prophets themselves, this group, Isaiah, Ezekiel, you know, some of these different ones. And yet, it's saying, in the old times, which means way, way before they existed, that, that the, the prophets of those really old times, of which, you know, those prophets aren't, uh, prophecies aren't available because they were part of the, of, the, of the book of the War of the Lords, which we're going to get into a lot of that and try to make that available very soon. But here we see that, that, that it says that um, uh, I have spoken in the old time by my servants, the prophets of Israel, which prophesied in those days many years, I would bring thee against them. This, ladies and gentlemen, is old, 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 going way, way back in time, prophecies that have been prophesied over and over again that this day was coming. And then we see it unfolded again and revealed again, uh, you know, in the book of Revelations. Revelations uh, 27 through 10, in which this uh, Gog and Magog come from all the four corners of the earth. All right, we're going to take a pause there, and we're going to allow you to cogitate on this a little bit, and then we're going to unwrap some incredible thoughts. God bless you.
Again, Janet Lee. And so, just to uh, reiterate briefly here, just a few, a little scattering of some of the revelations that we've covered over the <coughs> periods of time uh, that, that had to do with the, this bringing out of the mysteries and this opening up of the scriptures and developing of these things. Uh, we did this tremendous revelation scripture of the four rivers coming out of the... Um, uh, of, of the Garden of Eden, and we showed, uh, you know, the revelation of the Pison, the Gihon, the Hedekel, and the Euphrates, and we showed those as being genetic rivers. We gave scriptures for that, you know, starting in uh, Genesis 2, 10 through 14, Revelations 17, 15, and Isaiah 8, 7 through 8, and many, many other scriptures that we gave. I'll repeat those. Genesis 2, 10 through 14, Revelations 17 through 15, Isaiah 8, 7 through 8. And, and we, we showed things, for instance, like on this thing with Gihon, uh, you know, how that incorporated within the very name of the word Gihon uh, in Strong's uh, Hebrew 15, 12, uh, you know, the word Gion is part of what means like the belly or the or the or the womb, and so that the meaning of uh, you know this supposed uh, Nahash snake uh, that is going to lose its legs uh, is just frivolous. It's just idiotic kind of doctrines and teachings because people have not understood the d the deep word, and and now we can really begin to see that there are things coming out because in the DNA testings they've done, uh, they are discovering that there is a good deal of of human beings that have in them the Neanderthal uh, uh, parts of the Neanderthal uh, geome. And, and so when the manifest taught many, many years ago, 40, 50 years ago, uh, that, that Adam came out of, out of the Euphrates uh, River, genetic river, um, and, and that prior to them, there were all of these Gihon and you know Python and and you and other other kind of uh, of of, of uh, pre-Adamic men, our pre-Adamic people, uh, how that how that uh, some of these peoples uh, mixed their bloods mixed, and so then that even Adam, because he was from those people, and we give scripture for all of that and showed that that you know a, a fact, and how that 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 some of that mixture would be in them it would not be sufficient to making him not to be able to have a soul because by that time the soul had not yet been given when he was yet a, a baby and he was cast away and deserted but later he was given a soul uh, in the book of genesis and so that is just absolute proof that the doctrine of the holy manifest is far far ahead of science far, far ahead of, of the doctrines of religion that are out there today. And, and so when these different, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, people in the different sciences come up with the Neanderthal man, the Homo erectus, the Homo abulius, uh, the Arthropithecus, uh, we've already come up with other names from the Bible. The Pison, the 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 Gihon, the Hedekel, and the Euphrates, and and uh, and um, some of these names that they have given, uh, you know, uh, are not 
practical. They're, some of them, you know, like the Authorpithecus, is really more animal than than any kind of pre-Adamic man. But but uh, but you know, there are things out there yet to be found, and and, and that was an incredible revelation that was opened up. Uh, this thing that we've given to you on the Alpha is incredible. It's um, it's also connected to the Aleph. The Aleph, A-L-E-P-H, uh, pronounced Aleph, is a um, incredible uh, uh, thing. Psalms 119 has eight eight verses uh, uh, beginning with the word Aleph. And um, uh, it, it means number one. Therefore, in the sense it means number one, it connects uh, to the revelation of the Alpha. Uh, that's another bit of information we've given you. Uh, we've been talking about, you know, the definite article and its relationship to the war, uh, the book of the wars, and how that, that was lost. And we've opened up a whole bunch of interesting things about that. Um, you know, there's things like if you went into the Septuagint, which was the Bible that was used by the by the people of Jesus at time, so to speak, and there's words like uh, agag, A-G-A-G, but the Septuagint actually pronounces it as agog, so that just a simple letter can change a person from not knowing the connection of an ancient, ancient uh, thing. Uh, agog is also a compound, uh, has in a, a compound of the number one, and and so uh, wow, if we had time to explain some of these things. The little book of, of uh, Revelation, the seven thunders, uh, the interpretations and, and how the, that revelation has just been st staggering of truth. The 666 number of the beast and, and how that this, you know, six protons, six electrons, six neutrons, and then also the latest where we even connected it to Gog uh, from the sixth dimension. Uh, a man of a, a mini one, and, and uh, uh, we have uh, you know the, the the revelation on the forever that there's forever and ever, so that forever is not endless, uh, and that it is more along the line of what is called you know um, uh, uh, the the the, um, the point. A vanishing point beyond which you can see, and um, we we described that in Genesis ten that Gog and and Rosh are not found in the table of the nations, and and how that uh, this revelations about uh, Gog, uh, you know, is quite profound in is in Ezekiel thirty eight two three fourteen sixteen eighteen and Ezekiel thirty nine one and eleven and Revelations twenty and eight, uh, and there's a, a small uh, genealogy thing in First First Chronicles. 5 1. Uh, we, we got into these things about, you know, how that it can represent a person, also can represent a land, also can represent uh, a, a, um, a world. And uh, then we've talked about the Akava, the solution of riddles, uh, this new revelation given uh, and revealed to the manifester uh, that has a new sense of utterance, uh, opening a door of utterance, uh, and it has a root connection uh, revelation uh, so that uh, it reveals, you know, the Ekad, which is uh, many, many number the numbers that have a consistent component um, thoughts that track in on a lot of these revelations. It also in involves a mystery of the time, especially in connected uh, with names, places uh, that have a message to them. We got into the revelation of star time, uh, you know, how that, that that's what we are in now. That's what the Bible tells us in Genesis that we are in 
into. We are in star time, and and we we've got into the revelation of the of the thousand uh, generations, and uh, we got into the revelation uh, of the word cosmos. Go you into all the world many times is going into all the cosmos, which is the universe. And and people were missing all those revelations. They were not seeing them. Uh, there's terms in the Bible, you know, uh, like, like uh, uh, the word dominion that most people are not familiar with and like the king's domain uh, is in the Bible. If you look up in Hebrew 44, 38 concordance, uh, you see it as a domain, as a as a as an empire. Um, you see, even um, you know where um, uh, sometimes just the name of an angel and, and their job, like being dispatched, uh, you know, like Melah, uh, that that uh, it 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 means angel, and a lot of those things have just not been taken into effect. They've been missed. Uh, the river of time, uh, the. The covenant of the of, of uh, you know uh, of the um, seventy thousand eighty thousand years uh, taught in Psalms one hundred and five and Psalms ninety uh, how that Daniel uh, in Daniel nine two had figured the time but he made a mistake and the angel Gabriel in Daniel nine twenty one had to come and show him that the time was appointed for for a, for a long time uh, we've been through all of those we've showed how that ancient faiths are involved and embodied in ancient names. And uh, we've revealed uh, revelations in the songs of heavenly hosts. We've, we've showed the, the uh, morning star revelation. Uh, we, we showed how that even in Second Peter 1, 9, the word phosphorus was used to describe day star. And, and uh, we've, we've revealed how that even names like uh, that, that tie into aster. Uh, the word aster is, is a word used for stars of a host, seven spirits of God. Or Esther, uh, a Persian name, also means stars. Uh, we... <laughs> We've just gotten into, you know, so many things. But remember this, and this is important. We showed re recently, and we've showed it a couple of times, that in the Hebrew uh, Testament, there is only approximately 6,000 words. 6,000 words, all derived from about 500 roots. 6,000 words derived from 500 roots. And hence, the same word can have a great variety of meaning. Now, you're going to see something here in just a minute or so that's going to astound you. And uh, and keep this in mind: how that that uh, that the six thousand words have only five hundred roots, and that's just the beginning. So consequently, the same word can have a great variety of meaning, and and not understanding these meanings is one way you do not uh, you cannot label, you cannot define, you cannot develop the meaning of those languages, and so uh, these uh, revelations. Uh, are so very, very uh, important that they are the difference of night and day. They are the difference of going forward or not going forward. Now, let's just take, for instance, let's go to Revelations 9. Revelations 9. And let me read this. I, we, we, we preached on this a few times, but I'm going to give you a new insight here. Um, Revelations 9. And the fifth angel sounded, and a star fell from heaven unto the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. Now, when we read in chapter 9 of Revelations, verse 11, and they had a king over them, which was the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, but in the Greek, his name is Apollyon. We see that the king that is talking about is, is a satanic king. Uh, 
And now let's look at this. Here we have a bottomless pit, and there's a key given to this person to the to to the pit. Now, if a if a if a if a, if a pit is bottomless, then there shouldn't be a door. There shouldn't be any kind of a wall. You shouldn't need a key to open it up because it's bottomless. Because if you take a pit and, and you have a door and an entrance to it, and then because, uh, like if we're looking how that everything is spherical or circular, how that if we, if we drilled a hole through the whole earth and we said, okay, this is the bottomless pit and there's no end to it, you know, but at at the, the top, we built a, a big frame and we closed it in. You had to have, have a key to open and to get into it. But if you're on the other side of the earth and you're looking down into the hole, the key would have a bottom to it because the, the pit door that you've put on the other side of the earth would then become the bottom. So it would not be a bottomless pit. And so why would you have a key unless the key means something totally different? Unless the key means... Something was given to this, 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 this angel, and, and, and it was the right. It was the right-of-way. It was the privilege to use his talents, his abilities, but they had to be limited to this particular place in space that was not relatively close to the earth that was not relative close to any other planets it was a, it was a, it's a it's a corridor of space and and the key was the right to be able to do what could be done as far as being able to uh, promote his um repentance promote his uh his case uh etc uh, etc et now we're going to show you how true that that totally is because if you get into looking up the word you know like um uh the word uh the key to the bottomless pit and then it says he opened the bottomless pit he's given a key which is this ability to go ahead and to transform to do these things and then he opens the bottomless pit when you go into that word open it's very very interesting because you find that it has uh, one general meaning, and then it has a root meaning. And the general meaning is just simply open. But the root meaning is far greater and vast. And it is so extensive that I think you're going to be shocked as I begin to read some of these to you. Okay, the, the, the uh, root meaning of that, of Revelations 9, where open, you open, you know, is 303. Keep that number in mind. 303, wherever you see a 303, uh, it is a root to the word open. It gives additional meaning. So then, like if we look in uh, uh, Strong's uh, Hebrew Concordance uh, at reference 381, we find mentioned in there 303, which means uh, to be able to enkindle light, uh, uh, you know, and um, so when it says, and he opened the bottomless pit, uh, that in the Greek is 455. And that is the general word, which just means open. But it then has with it this. From Greek 455, it says from. That word open is from the root 303. 
So this root 303 is really, really important. What are some of the things that it means? 303, described in, in um, 390, is to, uh, to overturn. Described in 381 is to enkindle light. Uh, in 303 and 394 is to set forth um, for uh, one's self. Um, uh, 303 in number 380 is reversal, to unroll the scroll. 303 in 375, uh, 373, pardon me, is to refresh. Uh, 303 in 374 is to persuade. 303 in 396 is to overthrow. 303 in uh, 337 is to abolish, to murder, to put to death. 303 and 456 is to rebuild. Uh, 303 and 364 is remembrance. 303 and 401 is a license. Uh, Lucifer was recognizing this key, this right to do his thing, to make his case as a license to do whatever he needed to do that he thought would, would be able to restore to him what he had lost. Now, if we go on with these 303s, and these are all now in the, in the Bible and in the concordance. 303, okay, um, uh, if we look at 321 with the 303 there, which remember is from, from uh, it is the root from which 455 in the Greek to open comes. Okay, so so we're looking at these. Uh, you know, pardon me. I said I said Hebrew. I actually meant to say this is from the Greek. This is all from the Greek and not the Hebrew. So uh, I was um, uh, speaking too fast. So we're all we're into Hebrew, not not the Greek. So the Greek four fifty five it gets its root from three o three, and three o three is a Greek word. And when you go to all these different reference numbers in the Greek concordance, then you can see the uh, you can see the the um, the comparative. Okay, so like uh, 319 has a 303, and it means to make oneself known or, uh, or to make known. Um, uh, 321 has uh, a 303, means to launch forth. 303 um, is in number 322 to exhibit. Uh, no, number 326 to recover has a 303. 329 uh, to rekindle, to stir up. 303. Uh, 339 has a 303 to set up. 340 has a 303 to restore, to renew. Uh, 343 has a 303 in the sense of of um, uh, of uh, re of um, reversal and to renew or unveil, and 346 has a 303 to gather together in one. Now, <laughs> believe me, this is not all of them. There are more. Like uh, there's uh, a 303 and 450 to rise again, a 303 and 457 to 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 build or to rebuild. Now. When we read about he w Lucifer was given a key and he opened he opened the pit. When we say the word opened, we are saying all these things. He opened it with a plan to overturn and to set forth himself, to refresh himself, uh, to, to persuade uh, uh, himself of what he was uh, doing and to overthrow to abolish, to murder, to put to death his enemies. 
to bring himself into a higher state of, of, of remembrance, to have a license to do this, to launch forth, to exhibit, to recover, to rekindle, to stir up, to set up, to restore, to renew in the sense of reversal, to unveil, to gather together in one, etc., etc. Et it is an incredible thing. And what do we have here, ladies and gentlemen? What we are bringing out is a recovery of spiritual truth, a recovery of spiritual uh, breath and spiritual truth. Jesus breathed on the disciples the promise and the power of the Holy Spirit and, and provided an, ex an inexhaustible moment with the Holy Spirit that no event or, circumcision, or circumstances in existence he provided an, ex an inexhaustible moment with the Holy Spirit that no event or circumstances in existence could stamp out. The church message has become only supplemental. Only supplemental with just facets of true spirituality. Some religiosities have held a ransom over the people of God, especially the forces of darkness, which is the secrets of their sins. These people that, have, that are in church, they're mortals, they've sinned. These ministers have sinned. And Satan has held that as a ransom over them to keep them from going further, to keep them from revealing the things of God if they would desire to do it. And so there is the greatest need that has ever existed for a recovery of the spiritual truth. And when we begin to see examples like this in the Greek that has to do with the key of Satan opening the bottomless pit, and that this word open is all of the plans of Satan, all of the rehearsals of Satan, so that when we read in the book of... Um, of, uh, of Revelations 9. And after he, in verse 2, opens the bottomless pit, there arose a smoke out of the pit as the smoke of a great furnace, a furnace representing, as we've taught in the past, the manufacturing that he begins to do, the computerization, all of the things that he begins to, to prepare for this great war that's going to take place with Gog and Magog, of which the, the Bible says... <coughs> That the number of them is so great that they are—they cover the earth. They're from the four corners of the earth, and they have incorporated themselves through all kinds of other nations and people. There is a spirit of this Gog and Magog that has possessed nation after nation, and that is part of the Gog factor, and how the Gog factor is going to become imbued. And during this time of the thousand, uh, uh, you know, years in which, which, you know, is called by the Christians the millennium, when the people of God are being restrengthened and encouraged and so forth, people think, yeah, well, uh, uh, Lucifer is going to be in prison. The word prison means just set in limits. But in those limits, he is going to be uh, exercising one of the greatest forces of creation 
that he has ever exercised in his effort to, to restore uh, his rights, his kingdoms, and, and create a license for himself uh, to do all these things of this great list I read to you that all comes uh, from being the root to the word open. So that when the pit is opened, he's doing all these other things. And this smoke, you know, they say where there's smoke, there's fire. Where the smoke that's coming out is the residue of all of this activity, of all this incredible creation, of all this plan uh, for the greatest war against the powers uh, of spirituality that has ever been. And so when in, in Ephesians, when it says in 6.12, you know, forget about the, the war of the flesh and blood. It says the real war is going to be with the powers of the principalities uh, of, of the higher places, of the, the principalities of darkness and the principalities of light. This is the real war that is going to happen. It's a spiritual war. And, and it's taking place uh, going to take place uh, during during the meaning of what this thousand years is that's a whole revelation in itself but as we begin to really open our minds open our hearts and begin to see uh this incredible uh awesome just uh almost unbelievable revelation uh it it it, it should stir people it should make people say i want to know the truth i want to be set free I want I want to get in into this meaning, you know. In Galatians six seventeen, um, Paul said, uh, "I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ," and from out of that came the revelation of uh, I think the first one was a was a Saint Francis. He experienced this thing called the stigmata, in which there was, uh, appeared to be literal wounds on his physical body, which were in the relatively same places that uh, Jesus was wounded when he was put on the cross. Well, there is an incredible revelation on that. And, and I hope to uh, really open that up to you, this next uh, uh, teaching, uh, because it... it it, it it is uh it will break the enigma and uh it it will open up some scriptures that will just absolutely uh you know show you how powerful that the things of of God are and the revelations of God are and how that that there is this um uh thing of the of the breath of Christ um we've had some experiences in the past in which we have tried to promote by the Holy Spirit uh, some advanced things uh, in, in the Word. We got into Gentile, and we got into, uh, you know, some of these things that were, you know, they're far out sounding to people that have never experienced them before. And when we first introduced it, uh, it was even more far outstanding even in the scientific world. But the scientific world has caught up a little bit, and now they're beginning to talk about these kind of healings that can happen uh, through using um, messages to the brain to give orders to the body. But as we got into that, we also got into this thing about uh, uh, trying to uh, do youth re revitalization. And, and uh, uh, we, we begin to have some people just turn against us and begin to think that, uh, you know, that we were uh, devil-orientated because they didn't understand those kind of deep things. And we were out there trying to set people free and to get them into an advanced place with God. But, but there were people that, uh, you know, they, they, they saw things in their sinful minds. 
and want to put things in sinful categories. But I want to get into this, Lord willing, of this stigmata and show you how that um, it is the revelation of pre-transposition and how that it is ha- holds the, the possibility of, of uh, bringing the, the Christian people into one of the deepest, most profound places of knowing God they've, they've ever known him. Uh, did, did you know, did you know, and, and this is based on information I got from, um, fr- from, uh, uh, from Brian, uh, you know, who is our webmaster and who is very proficient of, with anything that has to do with uh, electronic coding and understanding, uh, you know, things happening in the computer world. But did you know that according to something he sent me and to something he was telling me, uh, he says, Jerry, I hated to even tell you this, but he says in the last three days, he said there has been an attack on the all the manifest websites. And I says, really? And he says, yes, he says, and I've got the proof of it. I've, I've been able to, you know, uh, make a record of these uh, uh, attacks. And he said there's, there's like 939 different attacks on the websites trying to just close them down. And he said, only because we had a particular kind of firewall that we procured out of Canada were we able to stop these attacks from closing down the manifest web. And, and, uh, and he said, you know, something is going on. There is a force out there that does not want this word to get out. He sent me a copy of some of these, and he, and, and he says, I can tell you the place. I can tell you where this is coming from. I said, I already know. And he says, well, what do you mean? I says, I already know. And, and I, I says, I'll, I can tell you. Don't say anything. I'll tell you who it is. So I gave him the name of the country and, and the big city in this country where it was coming from. It was not the United States. It was over in China. And, um, and uh, I had had a revelation about that two years ago. Uh, and I could tell things about that that I don't think I better put on the air at this time. But, but uh, uh, there is a force out there wants to stop this word wants to, to cut it down. There's a force out there, uh, yes, that would like to destroy Jerry Lee and r- like to d- destroy uh, the people that believe in this message. Uh, we're fighting the principalities and the powers of darkness. They're real. It's not a game. Uh, this, this is not a little toy choo-choo. This is an engine that is powerful and is poised and it's... It's, it's been, uh, you know, uh, uh, planted and it's been uh, set uh, in order to try to uh, wipe us off the map. But by the grace and the glory and the power of God, uh, I've asked the Lord to give me the time to, to go forward with these uh, revelations and to be able to complete them and to be able to show uh, these wonderful, incredible revelations uh, you know, when I was, uh, during the time of all this um, uh, trial and all the, the things that we've had come against us by people uh, who have just been outright liars and out, outright deceivers, uh, and I just prayed to the Lord. And he gave me 
from Galatians 2, uh, chapter 2, verses 16 and 21. He says, by the works of the law, meaning judgment of the law, no flesh can be justified. If righteousness came by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. You can't justify either the things that Jesus did in, in his fleshly life or the things that you're doing in your fleshly life, even though you're doing them in the name of Jesus, even though you're doing them in the name of God. Because the, 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 the Jesus said, I will not take testimony of any man, for I know what is in man. You cannot justify uh, uh, the 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 the, uh, the work of God, the evangelism of God, the bringing forth the mysteries of God uh, by by trying to to uh, use anything in the flesh to do it. And the Lord spoke to me and said, "Don't try to justify your actions done in your mortal body, be they sins or strange things put on you to do by the Holy Ghost." that to some persons appear to be sin, but are not. Therefore, go on with life and your call in life. Judge not any other persons for their sins or even their disdain of you. Uh, in Christ, there are those who are destinata, and, and they are engines with God. And as such, they are a granite, uh, an immunity in God uh, to go forth and to do the work that they do. And they who judge such people, the Bible says, are fools. So that's just a, a little bit of what I have to say and what I have to read and what I have to share. But I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, this is the moment. This is the time to get into these teachings, to stand behind us in prayer, to stand behind us every way that you can, because, you know, uh, we are fighting the forces. This move that we made was a tremendous, difficult move in ever since, and and it took a lot out of me. Uh, I went through a uh, a time of uh, not feeling very well and sort of being attacked by a super bug, but I'm on the uh, upbeat now. I'm I'm on the overcoming of it, and uh, I I can use your prayers. I can use your backing. I can use your standing by. Uh, we are going to get this message out. We're going to get it published. Uh, we're going to defeat the powers and the forces and the principalities of darkness. May God bless you and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you. May he heal you, ever with whole, in Jesus' name. We love you. Until next week, God bless.